I was reading in Acts chapter six, and, and, and if you haven't read the book of Acts, man, like if you're not reading your Bible every day, start with the book of Acts. It's just super fun and exciting. It's, it's right after Jesus has ascended into heaven. He's poured out his Holy Spirit on the disciples, and they're taking the message about Jesus all around the world. There's, there's miracles being done. Thousands of people are getting right with God. It's a really exciting time to see the church explode in Jerusalem and then explode all over the world. And there's thousands and thousands of Jews that are putting their faith in Jesus. But you gotta understand, like just a few months earlier, the, the, the Jews and the Romans got together to kill Jesus. So it wasn't like in America where like everybody just had the freedom to worship Jesus. Like to, to put your faith in Jesus was to put your life on the line. And then um, once the gospel spread to, to the Roman Empire, it was the same thing. To pledge your allegiance to anybody but the emperor of Rome meant that you could be killed. You could be crucified. You could be put into um, the Colosseum and, and, and eaten by lions just for professing Jesus. So it wasn't like it is in America today where it's like, especially in the South, you know, Texas, Mississippi, Alabama, or like where everybody loves Jesus, whether you hate him or not, you love him because it's the South, right? But when these Jews and, and these Romans were putting their faith in Jesus, they were putting their life on the line. But so back to the story in Acts chapter six, there were so many um, people giving their hearts to Jesus that it, um, there were widows. See, back in the ancient world, like people would die like a lot. You know, it was just like they get out of bed this morning. I have a headache, dead. You know, like I stubbed my toe dead, you know, because it was for 2,000 years ago. There wasn't even antibiotics or nothing. So there was a lot of widows. So in the ancient world especially, and of course today, um, the church, the body of Christ is called to care for the widows in particular. So um, th they were um, needing to create like a food pantry, you know, like where like a, every day they would feed the widows and care for the widows. So the, the 12 disciples were helping to do all this, but then they realized in Acts chapter six, whoa, whoa, whoa. We need seven people, men full of the Holy Spirit, to lead this practical ministry, and then we're gonna focus on the spiritual ministry. So think of like the, the ushers and the, the welcome team and the tech team and the, the parking, I mean, the, the security team. Th these are men and women that serve in a practical way, but they're still full of the Holy Spirit. So one of the seven men that were selected to lead this uh, practical ministry was a guy named Stephen. Now, um, you would probably assume that Steve got so into his ushering, so into his helping in the parking lot, so into the practical side of ministry that he wasn't even operating in the Holy Spirit. But in addition to his practical ministry, Acts chapter, eight verse, uh, Acts chapter six, verse eight says, Stephen was full of grace and power and he was doing great wonders and signs among the people. So just because you serve on a practical team does not disqualify you from operating in the power of the Holy Spirit. Like, you know, so if you're out there, you know, um, parking people, you should be prophesying over people. You know, if, if you're running a, a camera or a techie thing, you, you should just be praying for healing and miracles everywhere that camera points. So you, you use the gifts of the Holy Spirit to make Jesus famous in everything you do. You, you go to work, make Jesus famous. Everything you do is ministry, but that's a whole other service. The religious leaders hated Stephen for doing both the practical and the supernatural so well, and they arrested Stephen, and they accused him of crimes against the Jewish people. Now, you have to understand, the last time they arrested somebody, they turned him over to the Romans and crucified him. So this was a pretty scary moment for Steve. So you should look to see how he reacted. Like once he was arrested and you, they didn't write it in Acts chapter six, but you have to assume he was beaten because they beat Jesus when they arrested him as well. But we, we don't know that for sure. So you have to look at, at Stephen to see what his reaction was to all this persecution. And in Acts chapter um, six, verse 15, it says, 
all who sat in the council saw that his face was like that of an angel. Other translations say that his face was shining like an angel. So after being arrested, probably after being beaten, he wasn't sad, he wasn't dejected, he wasn't tweeting about how, how God had abandoned him. He was so full of the Spirit of God that the only way that Luke could describe what he saw was he said, wow, his face is like that of an angel. So regardless of the persecution that you get on Facebook, I know that must be tough on you, your face should still respond with that of an angel because you're so full of the Spirit of God. Whether you're loved or hated it doesn't matter because you just want to make Jesus famous. If you turn the page to Acts chapter 7, we will not have time to read this. And if you've read Acts chapter 7, you know why. Stephen defended himself by telling the gospel story. He literally went back all the way to, to Genesis and he tells 4,000 years of, of history of the Jewish people and of how God you know, brought them all the way to Jesus. He goes back to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. He talks about the 12 tribes of Israel. He talks about Joseph, one of Jacob's sons, uh, being sold into slavery. He talks about the fact that Joseph then um, rose to power and, and, and helped to lead the, the Jewish people out of their uh, starvation and down into a blessed land in Egypt. Then he talks about a Pharaoh that, that forgot about Joseph and forgot about the Jews and, and was terrible to them and, and beat them and, and worked on them. So he talked about Moses being raised up to be a deliverer for the people and how the Passover brought them out. He goes all the way to the prophets that were prophesying about a Messiah that would come, but that the Jewish leaders at that time were even ignoring and stoning the prophets. And at the end, Stephen drops the mic with a zinger and he tells all the Jews that had just arrested him that they're doing the same thing that the ancient prophets did and they're ignoring the word of the Lord that came through Jesus as Messiah and then he throws the ultimate shade and he said, you're a stiff-necked people, which I guess stiff-necked, I mean, that was about as much shade as a Christian could throw back then. I'm sure there were harsher words he could use, but the only thing he could say was, you're a stiff-necked people. Acts chapter 7, verse 54. The Jewish leaders were so infuriated with Stephen's accusation that they shook their fists at him in rage. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed steadily up into heaven and he saw the glory of God and he saw Jesus standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. He told them, look, I see heaven opened and the Son of Man is standing at the place of honor at God's right hand. They were so upset, they put their hands over their ears and they began shouting. They rushed at him. They dragged him out of the city and they began to stone him. His accusers took off their coats and laid them at the feet of a young man named Saul. As they stoned him, Stephen prayed, Dear Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He fell to his knees and shouted, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And with that, he died. We'll talk about that in a minute. But did you notice that when, Jesus, when Stephen looked up into heaven, he saw the heavens open and he saw Jesus standing in the throne room of God. You've got to ask yourself, what would cause Jesus to stand up and look? Because in Acts chapter 2 and verse 33, after Jesus' ascension, it says he was seated at the right hand of God. So Jesus stood up when someone was willing to die for the gospel. And did you notice Stephen literally being hit in the face and head with rocks goes to his knees and he prays to God, Lord, 
don't hold this sin against these people that are stoning me right now. He loved lost people so much, he was praying for them to get saved. He loved lost people so much, he's like, God, don't hold this sin against them. And yet we will condemn people to hell on Facebook if they disagree with us about a vaccine or a mask or a political party. What's more important to you? Loving lost people and that they would go to heaven or being right on Facebook and agreeing with you? Did you notice that while Stephen was there, he's being stoned to death for believing in Jesus? But there's this young man named Saul, a religious student who watched the whole transaction and he loved seeing Stephen get martyred. But a few years later, that same young man, Saul, had a face-to-face -face encounter with Jesus and he surrendered his life. He died to his old life. He repented of his sin and it changed him forever. His name was changed. We refer to him now as the Apostle Paul and he wrote most of the New Testament saw signs and wonders and miracles and dead raising, saw tens of thousands born again. When you're willing to die to your old life and live for Jesus, it will inspire other people to follow you along the way. And if somebody is martyred, if somebody is killed for their faith, it's like they're running a race and they drop the baton, but there will be another believer that comes along and picks up that baton and continues to run that race for those that come behind. We need to be like the Apostle Paul and run behind those that can't anymore. In fact, it was literally the Apostle Paul that he was arrested and beaten for preaching the gospel many, many times and eventually killed, just like Stephen for preaching the gospel. But he said, I will never be ashamed of the gospel. In fact, in Philippians chapter one, verse 20, he says, I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed, but I will continue to be bold for Christ as I have been in the past. And I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ. Listen to this, whether I live or die. For to me, living means I live for Christ, but dying would be even better. Paul knew that the gospel was worth living for and, if need be, worth dying for. He had a cause in his heart that was worth living for. He had a cause in his heart that, if need be, was worth dying for. You look at the men and women that serve in our military. You look at the men and women that serve in our police force, Secret Service, FBI. All of these men and women, they literally believe that the United States, that the American people, they believe in this country and its safety so much, they would literally be worth dying for. Does your Christian life, is, do you live it in such a way that it would be worth dying for? Over this last week, the Taliban took sudden control over Afghanistan. And I'm gonna take a little personal note aside from just Brad the preacher. But if you fought for the freedom of the Afghan people, I'm so sorry for the way that your sacrifice wasn't honored and respected. 2,352 soldiers died trying to bring freedom to Afghanistan over the last 20 years. These American families this morning are mourning the death of their loved ones and for the way that we suddenly hand things back over and created a vacuum of power to the Taliban, I am sorry. If you don't know, the Taliban is a Muslim extremist group. They are a terrorist organization. And ironically, most of the Taliban are not even from Afghanistan. They're Pakistani. And they're heavily funded. Well, they're heavily funded. 
we're actually helping in some ways to fund them right now by funding Hamas, but that's a whole other story. What's happening is those that over the last 20 years when the Americans had brought freedom, many tens of thousands had put their faith in Jesus. So there is an underground church of Afghan people that is now hiding. And the Taliban is literally actively hunting Afghan Christians. I'm gonna tell you a story that I can't go out publicly. So I need you guys, um, Michaela, do you know how to mute the audio that goes to the stream? Is it muted? Thank you, YouTube, I'm sorry. I didn't let you, couldn't let you hear that because um, it's some sensitive information that I don't need getting out public. But um, we're gonna do what we can to help the body of believers in Afghanistan. So soon you're gonna see us publish on Instagram and Facebook that we'd like you to give towards world missions and we're gonna use that money to help the body of believers in Afghanistan. <laughs> the ironic thing was I saw a meme this week um, that said Afghan Christians are preparing to die for Jesus while the American church is still waiting to really live for him. Afghan Christians are preparing to die for Jesus while the American church is waiting to really live for him. See, the thing that the Taliban doesn't understand is that Jesus is worth dying for. Jesus is worth dying for. When you live for something that really matters, and if you have to die for it, it's like a seed that grows into the ground and it produces much fruit. Somebody else is gonna run along and pick up that baton and win more people to Jesus. It happened, we see it literally happen in Acts chapter 12. There was a new king in Israel, uh, a guy named King Herod Agrippa. He hated the believers in Jesus. So he, he arrested um, James, John's brother, and then he had him killed with the sword. When Herod saw how much this pleased the Jewish people, he then arrested Peter. So this king hated the Jews that loved Jesus so much, he killed James and arrested Peter. But if you go on, he's trying to stop the Jesus movement, just like the Taliban. He's like, if I could kill this guy, I'll stop it. But then watch what happens in verse 24. Meanwhile, the word of the God continued to spread and there were many, many new believers. Why? Because Jesus is worth living for. Jesus is worth dying for. The one thing that Herod thought he could do to stop the church is the one thing that put seed into the ground to create a harvest of souls. This cause of Jesus is worth dying for. I, I'm only gonna get 90 or 100 years on this earth and I wanna have something in my life that is worth living for, that is worth dying for. And if not, every night, I'm just gonna sit home and watch Netflix. So I have to pursue my love for Jesus and my relationship with Jesus because he is worth dying for. Yes. Now, before we move on, I wanna give you some practical tips so maybe write these down or go back on YouTube later and pray these things through. These are ways that you can pray for the Afghan Christians right now. Number one, pray for God's protection. As, as Christians are trying to hide from the Taliban, I, I pray for supernatural blindness that, that they wouldn't be seen even in broad daylight, that they would, God would protect them, that there would be angels that protect our brothers and sisters in Christ. Number two, pray for wisdom. Many are gonna be fleeing up into the mountains and this is very, very difficult, rocky terrain. So pray that God will lead them. Because maybe there's two different mountain ranges and one is a Taliban stronghold and one has a bunch of believers that are gonna help you know, create like an underground railroad to, the, to love on each other and provide for one another. So, so pray that God would give them wisdom on which way to go, which then leads to number three, pray for fellowship. 
Last week, we talked about how important it is for the church, for the body of Christ to work together. We are stronger together. We are better together. We, we, we do better when we stand shoulder to shoulder and fight for one another. So pray that they find brothers and sisters in Christ to help one another. Number four, pray for the Taliban to get saved. Pray, pray for these men that are so full of wickedness and evil and hate that, that they would have, like Saul did, like an encounter with Jesus and, be, and get radically saved that in the same way that the Taliban hunters would, would find believers instead of killing them, I, I pray in Jesus' name that the, the believers would lead the Taliban to salvation in Jesus. And number five, this is what's literally gonna happen based on the thing that I just told you when the mic was muted. Pray that the help gets into the hands of those that need it most. That, that the money that is given, that the vehicles that are given, literally animals. See, some of that terrain is so steep and so sandy and so rocky, the only way to cross those mountains is on donkeys and horseback and foot. Because no Jeep or nothing can get over it. It's too steep. It's too dry. So pray for protection. Pray for fellowship. Pray for wisdom. Pray that, that, that the resources would get into the hands of people that need it most. Now, let me also just clarify this before we move on. I don't want anybody to die. I don't want anybody to get martyred. I don't have a death wish. I don't want me to get, I mean, yet the very highest honor for a believer in this life is to be martyred, to lay down their life for the gospel. But living to tell more people about Jesus, that's even better. And parents, raising your kids in such a way that, that, that they would be willing to live for Jesus and God forbid, die for Jesus, but your number one ministry, mom and dad, is to raise your kids in the fear of the Lord. So it's not like you're gonna have some sort of crazy death wish where you're just trying to get killed for Jesus. No, <laughs> you wanna live. So we're praying for these Afghan believers to, to safely get their children and, and families out of Afghanistan and to somewhere that's safe. Let me give you two quick marks of a martyr. This would be true for an Afghan believer. This would be true of an H-E-B believer. Boy, don't you wish they'd bring H-E-B, the grocery store here, to H-E-B. <laughs> Aren't we just spoiled, rotten American Christians? Bring me a better grocery store. The one I have doesn't have enough. <sighs> Number one, the mark of a martyr is a person who has died to Christ long before they die for Christ. Somebody that's willing to die for Jesus, the first thing they have to do is be willing to die to themselves. Paul put it this way in Galatians. He said, my old self has been crucified with Christ. And we read that and we're like, oh, that's nice, crucified with Christ. Dude, crucifixion was the most brutal, gruesome, graphic way to die. And Paul's saying, yeah, I wanna be crucified with Jesus because there's no longer I that live. I'm dead to my old life. I'm dead to sin. I'm dead to getting drunk. I'm dead to getting high. I'm dead to getting angry. I'm dead to pornography. I'm dead to being a jerk to my spouse. I'm gonna live for Jesus. You've gotta crucify your old life. He said, he said, it's not I that live, it's Christ that lives in me. So I live in this earthly body. It went away on both screens. I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. If you really, really, really wanna live in this life, you've gotta really, really, really die to your old life so you can live for Jesus. Die to your wants and desires. Kill off your sinful thoughts. And here's the thing. It's a choice every day to die for Jesus. Because there's gonna be some days that you don't feel like it. There's gonna be some days that you don't feel like going to church. There's gonna be some days that you don't feel like serving on a team. There's gonna be some days that you don't feel like going to a U group. There's gonna be some days that you just don't feel like it. But like in a marriage, 
You're not always gonna feel like it, but you made a covenant. You made a choice to love. So you love Jesus no matter what. Sometimes people don't get that about their spouse and their marriage. Well, I'm, I don't, Pastor, I, I don't feel love anymore. Well, you didn't covenant to feel love at your wedding day. You covenanted to love, period. It's an act of your will. It's a choice. I'm gonna love this person to the day I die, no matter what. No matter what, till death do us part, sickness and in health. I'm gonna, it's a choice that you make. It's a covenant that you've made. We have a covenant with the almighty God that only comes through the blood of Jesus that we choose to live for him, even if it costs us our life. And here's the thing. Somebody's like, yeah, one day I'll prepare my heart for that if, if things ever get that bad. That day is today. You make that decision now. You make that choice to love Jesus like that now. You make your, your choice right now. I would be willing to put my life on the line if need be. Number two, the mark of a martyr is one who is willing to defend their faith, even if it costs them their life, all the way to death. See, every martyr has a choice. Will I defend the gospel or will I deny my faith? See, Stephen could have denied his faith he could have rejected Jesus as Messiah and they wouldn't have stoned him. Right now, our Afghan brothers and sisters, when the Taliban comes for them, they could deny Jesus and return back to Islam. But they had, have to make a choice. So you have the same choice to make. Now, today, would you be willing to not only die for Jesus, but to defend Jesus, to defend the gospel? Because let me also say this, you can't defend what you don't know. The word disciple means disciplined student. Examine your own heart. Are you truly disciplined in your pursuit of Jesus? Are you, are you disciplined in reading your Bible every day? Are you disciplined in prayer? Are you disciplined in worship? Are you disciplined in giving? Are you disciplined in serving? Are you disciplined in discipling others? We're called not to go to church. We're called to make disciples of all nations. When was the last time you shared your faith with anybody? Like if your faith is a secret now, there's no way your faith is gonna be public if your life is on the line. We literally have the freedoms that the Afghan people do not have. We have the freedom to worship together. We have the freedom to read our Bible together. We have the freedom to share our faith. But we're not even using the freedom that men and women have fought and died for now. And I'll just be totally honest. Look at how quickly our nation has changed since March of 2020. I never thought the government would shut down church. I never thought that people would cower to the government the way they are now. So at this rate, I think in my lifetime, I will see Christianity outlawed in the United States. Believing in the Bible as absolute truth, believing in sin that separates us from God, believing in heaven, believing in hell will be so bigoted, we will be outlawed. I, I can see it in my lifetime. And I couldn't just a year and a half ago, but I can see it right now. So you, now is the time that you answer the question in your own heart, in your own family, would you still be willing to worship Jesus if it meant you would go to jail? For me personally, absolutely. Because that just means there's people in jail that I can talk to, to about Jesus. What are they gonna do? Well, they might kill you. Would you be willing to talk about Jesus if they're gonna kill you? For me, yep. Because if they kill me, I get to go see Jesus in person. It's like a win-win. I'm already a dead man walking because I've already died to my old life. What's the worst they could do? Kill me? Then I get to live for Jesus and be with him. I'm gonna reread Philippians chapter one, verse 21, and then I'm gonna add 22. Paul said, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. He said, I get to live with Christ, but if I get die, pro, that's even better. But here's why he says that, verse 22. If I am to live in the flesh, that means there is fruitful labor for me. 
yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. See, we produce fruit for the kingdom when we're living on this earth. When we die and go to heaven, we can't lead anybody else to Jesus. So we have an amazing job to do while we're here on the earth. So ask yourself, are you producing fruit for Jesus now while it's easy? Because you won't when it gets hard. I said something last Sunday. I said, if the Christian life is easy for you, you're doing it wrong. If the Christian life is easy for you, you're doing it wrong. And I, to back that up, I'm gonna give you a little encouraging word from Jesus. John chapter 15 and verse 18, Jesus said, if the world hates you, it's cool. Remember that it hated me first. Here's a quote from Leonard Ravenhill that I love. Are the things that you are living for worth Christ dying for? What are your priorities in life? Where do you spend most of your money? Where do you spend most of your time? We support a pastor in India, Pastor Hanuk. He's been here many times over the last 10 years. He's become a dear friend. But he lives in a part of India where the church is very heavily persecuted. He is a, a leader in a, in a group of, a network of pastors. They've got about 100 pastors that he helps to oversee. Many of his pastors have been beaten. Many of his pastors and their wives and children have been stoned. Many of their churches and even the pastor's homes have been burnt down. He showed me videos that I, I wanted to show you guys, but they're, they're just far too graphic for public consumption. But these are our brothers and sisters in Christ. So when I asked him, how can we pray? He said, pray that we are strong in faith and that we don't renounce Jesus when we're beaten. I was in Thailand two years ago, right before the pandemic broke out. We we're doing a leadership conference for pastors from China and the underground church. There were about 200 pastors from all over China. These are men and women that serve all over China and they're heavily persecuted by the communist government. And somebody else asked, Shall we pray, for the church in America, shall we pray that the, the, the communist persecution would stop? And one pastor said, no, 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 don't pray that. Because the persecution makes us live a life that is very committed to Jesus. And then he went on to say, we've watched the church in America and it seems like you are weak because there's no persecution against you. The Taliban right now are literally checking people's phones to see if they have the Holy Bible app on their phone. And that is the indicator if they're a Christian or not, if they should be killed or not. They're literally willing to die so that they can have the scripture on their phone when I can't get most of the church in America to read their Bible. I need you to read your Bible because Afghan Christians can't. I need you to read your Bible in private, on your phone, on your app, on your read scripture app, on your Bible, at home, in your closet but I also need you to go to Starbucks or a restaurant or a park bench, just plop your Bible down and just read. You don't have to be obnoxious, but do it for the Afghan believers. Do it for the Saudi believers. Do it for those that can't. Pray in private, pray in public. Jesus is worth living for. Jesus is worth dying for. Talk about praying in public. My parents, they were both new believers, my mom and my stepdad. And they found each other at a church and they got married and they went on their honeymoon. I forget which Caribbean island. But they were so wanting to do things right on this new marriage and do things right as new believers in Jesus that right there on that very first meal at the hotel, they grabbed hands and out loud they prayed and thanked God for this food and they thanked God for the safe trip and they thanked God for this new marriage. 
Well, one of the wait staff saw that and they came over and said, I'm sorry to interrupt, but are you Christians? And they said, yes. He said, would you pray for me? I have this situation. Oh yes, of course. And right there, they prayed for that gal. The next morning at breakfast, there were two or three other people from the village that had come. Hey, these are my friends. Can you pray for them also? Yes. They were there for a week. By the end of the week, they had prayed for like 30 or 40 people. A couple of them got born again, all because, come on, right? All because a normal American family just grabbed hands to pray and thank God for their meal out loud. Later, if you know the story, my parents went on to be missionaries in China in the underground church. They were there for three and a half years ministering the gospel in China. They were literally willing. They didn't die, but they were willing to die for Jesus. They laid their lives on the line. Let me say this about parenting. Parents, (laughs) your children won't be willing to die for the gospel one day in the future if they don't see you living for the gospel today. So our job is to live strong, to live brave, to live and love Jesus out loud in a world that's trying to silence you. Live, God is love. So live from a place of love. Love people well. Love people loud. Love people extreme in a world that's so full of hate. Hop up on your feet. I want to pray for you. Sometimes we get knocked down. Sometimes we get punched in the mouth. Stand up and be strong. See, in the eyes of God, you're worth, see, I'm over here all morning long, you know, for 25 minutes. I'm like, Jesus is worth living for. Jesus is worth dying for. But you have to understand this. If you don't really know Jesus, he is looking down and he's like, listen, I know that you're willing to live for me, but you were worth me dying for you. Jesus died for you. Your life is literally worth the price of the Son of the Most High God. Why? Because that's how valuable you are to God, that He loved you so much that He sent His only Son to die for you. He laid down His life for you. He's crazy about you. So my question to you, if you don't really know Jesus, is will you be willing to die to your old life? Will you be willing to be crucified with Jesus so that you can live for Him, so that you have something worth living for? When you join the family of God, and the only way to do so is through Jesus. The only way to know God the Father is through Jesus the Son. That we would repent of our sin. We would ask Him to forgive us. That we would put our faith in Jesus as Savior, as Lord. And that one day, we will see Him face to face. See, these brothers and sisters in Christ that are dying for Jesus, their bodies die but they don't die. They go from life to eternal life, from life to greater life. They go from life on this earth to life in heaven with Jesus. Believers don't die. There's no sting in death. I mean, yes, we miss people, but they're in the presence of Jesus. And you have to imagine, if Jesus stood up when Stephen was martyred, what is the embrace like that Jesus gave to Stephen? What is the embrace like in heaven when an Afghan believer is killed for their faith. Can you imagine the celebration, the hugs, the kisses, the the embrace that Jesus gives those that were willing to lay down their life? Lay down your life now. Die to yourself, die to your sin. Receive Jesus as Lord. Be baptized in water. It's so important that you're baptized in water. It's a public declaration of what's happened privately in your heart. 
It's also this amazing transformation where our old man is dead in the water and the new man comes to life to live for Jesus forevermore. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I love you and you're worth living for and Jesus, you're worth dying for. Lord, forgive us for all the times that we have been ashamed of the gospel. Forgive us, Lord, for all the times that we have hidden the truth of your word. Forgive us, Lord, for all the times that we haven't prayed earnestly for the persecuted church. Forgive us, Lord, for not taking the freedoms that were given to us by men and women that have died for us in this country, that we've taken those freedoms for granted. Forgive us, Lord. With every head bowed and every eye closed, let me just talk to your hearts for a minute. A few minutes ago, I was really challenging you to get right with the Lord, to die to your old self so you live for Jesus. And for some of you, your heart was pounding out of your chest. That's normal, that's good, that's God. Just knocking on the door of your heart saying, come on, open your heart, let me in. Let me wash away all that sin and all that fear and all that hatred and all that anger and all that pain. Let me fill your heart with love and life and help put in holiness and help adopt you into my family that you would go from sinner to saint, that you would go from orphan to child of the most high God. He loves you, he's crazy about you. Today is your day of salvation. It might be the first time you ever pray this prayer, or maybe it's the first time in a long time. You knew the Lord, you know, when you were a younger person, maybe you went to church or went to a youth group or to a camp, but you've allowed your heart to grow cold. You've allowed sin back into your heart. You've walked away from your faith. Today is your day to run back to the Father's arms, to run back to God's love. So I wanna lead you in a prayer, but I would like to know who I'm praying for. I can't pray this prayer for you. I can lead you, but I can't pray it for you. You have to believe it in your heart and pray it out loud. Even you that are watching online, you thought maybe you got away with it because you're not here. No, I'm looking right at you. Right there in your apartment, right there in your bedroom, right there in your car, your heart just beating out of your chest because you've got to get right with God. Listen, whether you're watching online or you're here in the room, if you want to pray and die to your old life, make Jesus the Lord of your life, have him wash away your sin, have him adopt you into the family of God, either for the first time or the first time in a long time. I'd like to know who I'm praying for. Would you shoot your hand up real high right now and just say, preacher, pray for me. I'm here to get right with God. Yeah, I see your hand. Anybody else? Shoot your hand up real high. I see your hand. Anybody else? Come on. Good. I see that hand over there. Yeah, come on. I see it. Yeah. Praise God. Good, 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 good. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I love this. Hey, online, I saw three people shoot their hand up and say, today's my day to get right with God. What about you? I know it's just you in the apartment, you in the house by yourself, but God sees. Just shoot your hand up right there. And if you believe this, all, why don't we all pray this together? If you believe it, pray this out loud. Say, dear Jesus, please forgive me of my sin. I repent. I die to my old life so I can live for you. Wash me and cleanse me of all unrighteousness. I receive the gift of eternal life. Jesus, be the Lord of my life and the lover of my soul. Jesus, I thank you that you are worth living for. You are worth dying for. In Jesus' name, amen. What about for those three? Come on, somebody. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh, I love you. I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. 
All right, here's what we're gonna do. I want our prayer team to come down to the front. If you were one of those that raised your hand, this whole wall is people over the last year that have given their heart to Jesus. If you're watching online, I want you to text the word, the name Jesus to 817-405-2244. It's gonna send you an auto response form. I want you to fill that form out, click submit, because we wanna begin to pray for you, encourage you, and we wanna screw in a light bulb with your name on it on the Jesus wall. So bring our prayer team down to the front. If you gave your heart to Jesus today for the first time, the first time in a long time. I want you to come get prayer. But also, there were so many people of our new members that were getting prayer this morning. If you need prayer for any reason, if there's pain in your body, if there's sickness in your body, if there's a struggle in your heart or your mind or your finances, your marriage, or your family, whatever that might be, these men and women want to pray for you, speak life over you, prophesy over you, encourage you. So today is your day to get right with God. And for a lot of us, that happens in a moment of prayer. For the rest of us, we're going to do something that is illegal in Afghanistan. We're going to do something that is illegal in most of the Muslim countries around the world. We're going to lift our hearts and lift our hands and lift our voices. We're going to put the persecuted church on our back and say, we will worship for you. I will not let my voice be silent. Come on, church, let's worship God.